suppose the South Bronx, violence just erupting almost anywhere at any moment. Constant disturbance in the central nervous system just felt so overwhelming all the time. Everything was a test to demonstrate yourself, trying to always move with some thick, thick sense of boundary. A lot of paranoia, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of fear. Even though on the outside, I wanted to be a tough guy. I wanted to be a street guy. The music's loud, the lights are blaring, everybody's smiling. And it just felt like I was in this intoxicating evil circus. Something was starting to accrue like a kind of cavity inside. Everything was like coming undone in a very painful and again, scary way. And I kept feeling like I was tipping back into that really radical impermanence, that impermanence that you can't conceptualize. There was this unconditional love that just like erupted and even people that I wanted to get some revenge against, uh, I bumped into one of them on the street. I just remember the look of horror in their face. I just went up to them. I was like, I love you. It's okay. I gave them a hug. Their body was still kind of stiff and I felt their body start to soften in my body. And I could feel their heartbeat like on my chest. And I was just like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, it's okay. Like, you see me anywhere, it's love. All right, today I have a guest and a friend to come and chat with us about his history, his story, which is quite a quite a trip, quite a quite a journey, as it always is when we talk about this subject, this awakening subject. But uh, he has one that's very unique uh, and it's just fascinating, really. And he's just a, a just a heck of a nice guy, and he has a lot of insight to share and in, a, in an honest and vulnerable way. Which I, every time I communicate with him, that's how he comes across, and he's just a, just a great guy. Uh, his name is G. John, and I just want to introduce him and and say hi. Hey, man, thanks for coming. I appreciate you, Angelo. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Yeah. So let's just rewind the clock and start wherever it feels relevant for you. Whatever, wherever in your life it feels relevant to start talking about how things played out when you were younger. Maybe what mm-hmm. sort of got you on the exploration of, of why why do we suffer and what is. What is this all about and that sort of thing, but wherever it feels relevant for you to start. Absolutely. It's funny when you, when you kind of say it that way, it's the first thing that kind of came up to my mind was uh, like a dream as a little kid. Uh, I, I remember it, in, in New York city's public housing in the projects, you know, they have parks kind of sporadically spread throughout the buildings. Um, and this one park in particular, I have this image of, and it's got to be a dream. It's probably like my earliest memory of my mother leaving me in the park. Mm. Um, and I was so young that when I woke up from the dream, I could see the bars of the crib. And there was something so unsettling about that experience, something so fundamentally uh, upsetting that for whatever reason, it's left an aroma up until this moment. Like when you pause, I don't know when's the last time I thought about that. Mm. Um, but right when you said that question, that's what came up. And I feel like one of the core kind of places of suffering for, you know, this, however you want to say it, this kind of karmic layout or this body mind or whatever, has always been this kind of place of fear and loneliness, something like that. Um, and I remember specifically when I was seven or eight, uh, leaving my cousin's house and something about uh, the consistency or the st- substantiality of things just like falling away. and being utterly kind of distraught 
emotionally crying. Uh, I couldn't even explain it to my parents. They were looking at me like, what? I'm like, I remember I kept saying over and over, right? I was like, uh, like, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. Saying that over and over. And they were looking at me they're like, yeah, of course. I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, we can come back tomorrow, but it's going to be different. Like, we can, it, like, just, that's all, that's what I kept saying. And it was like out of panic was mm. what the feeling was. Um, and in a lot of ways, I feel like those kind of experiences kind of set me up into trying to kind of uh, close that yep. impossible thing to close. Man, I'll tell you that that sense of impermanence that comes through when when you tell that story i can tell you that i've i've met many people on this path or who've had these kinds of identity shifts and so forth who've had situations or or experiences like that and i myself did as well and i know the unsettling nature of it and what's funny is sometimes it it can be uh the opposite sometimes it can be like a, a mystical experience that feels expansive and and hard open, but other times it feels very much like this isn't real. There's something not substantial about what we take to be the real world, and it, it, there's like almost the empty aspect that strikes you. Um, but uh, as a child, saying that to the parents too, fascinating. I mean, obviously you had a an insight into impermanence at a very young age. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like uh, I don't know, I don't know what to compare it to. Just being like utterly suspended and not being able to find the floor beneath you. Um, but you know, it's it's funny because as as time went on, uh, you know, things shifted. You know, it's like I felt like looking back now is as if I was like actively trying to kind of like tie that loose end. You know, again, that thing that can't be tied. Um, and particularly in terms of boundaries, um, in terms of uh, of trying to kind of substantiate myself as an individual and building a fortress of self that felt invulnerable. Mm. Um, and that that was like a long, hard path. Like that was probably my first quote unquote practice in this life was creating like a dense, dense self. Um, something that just could float over or somehow numb itself to that. Um, you know, that specifically is so interesting because I know, I know everybody does that in one way or another, but I think many people, at least at the conscious level would say they're doing it uh, to, to defend themselves against some, some sort of trauma when they were younger or a feeling of vulnerability or a feeling of being victimized or a feeling of not feeling secure. And I think all that is true in the relative, but I think you had a very pure version of it because underneath all of that, there's, there's something else we're actually running from it, it truly, there's some other reason we're solidifying and it's not a, it's not a primary reason, but it's our interpretation of, of what actually happened. And, and it feels um, very compelling to try to solidify against that. Even people who have, through, sometimes through spiritual means, have tastes of the infinite or tastes of the, the sort of unbound experience. If it's if it's kind of in the extreme, they often will have that response for a while too, where it's like, no, 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 <laughs> I'm not sure I want to go in that direction. Let me go in this other direction. Let me be more human. Let me be more solid for a while. Yeah. So. 
So anyway, how did how did it start to play out as you were as you were growing up, or how actually how did you solidify? What was that like for you? It, it could never really solidify in any fundamental sense. Again, it, you know, truly, uh, it would find me at night. It would find me uh, in moments when I was surrounded by people. Um, but like you said, like there was this like very fundamental way of trying to solidify self. And over time, it became more and more kind of on the surface or superficial, if you will, because you could create that. I still there was still that capacity to ride and create that momentum, so to speak. I wouldn't exactly use those words now, but in terms of trying to like embody what that was like, I could say something like that. I felt like I could do make a make me, you know, and make me a certain way, especially how I hold my face, how I uh, speak, how I hold the space around others, things of that nature. Um, and so it started, like, I wanted to be a tough guy. I wanted to be a street guy. So that's really how that started to take form. Um, and really going outside, hanging out with the older guys and kind of learning how they made a name for themselves or how they um, made themselves appear invulnerable. Yeah. Um, what part of what you mentioned, New York, did, was it like South Bronx or which area did you grow up in? Yeah. So it was the South Bronx and uh, it, was, it was half my time was in the South Bronx, half was in the East Bronx. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit? About, I mean, there are many people who don't know that world growing up in those environments around those places, around those people. Yeah. Um, some people do, of course, it'll be watching this. But can you give us a sense of, like you said, when you're a young man, like I remember being a young man or an older kid and you, you, you're you sort of wired to look for models of behavior. That's just how we're wired. We look to older older members of our species and go, That's that makes sense. That's how you become a, an older version of what I am right now. And you start to mimic behaviors and stuff. And what did you see? And what is, just to give us a sense, what is it like to grow up in that environment? Yeah. So there's, it's funny because growing up in that environment, I feel like you see humanity in almost an archetypal sense. You know, you see everything from, you know, maybe it's not the proper word now, but we used to call them junkies. You know, you'd see everything from junkies to guys wearing gold chains, you know, nice cars. You, you Your apartment building is, you go down the hallway, the doors are messed up, there's graffiti everywhere, the paint's peeling off the wall, piss in the elevator. Um, you go outside in the park and everything was like a test to demonstrate yourself, you know, just to play basketball on the basketball court. You already have to be proficient to be allowed on, you know, especially coming up as a young kid, you get beat up by the teenagers, kicked out of the park, you know, violence just erupting almost anywhere at any moment. Uh, that was very usual. Getting chased up and down the staircase by homeless people, you know, it's like it was uh, it was incessant. That's mm -hmm. that's what I feel like. It was incessant, like the sound. I, there's almost like this auditory because the the trains in the Bronx are above ground uh, most of the time. And uh, just that kind of incessant, just that cacophony of noise and um, just like constant disturbance in, in my experience in, uh, in the central nervous system just felt so overwhelming all the time. But I didn't recognize it then, I should mm. say. Yeah. Only when I go back, sometimes I'm like, holy, like I was a piece of this. Like, or this was a piece of me or however you want to flip it. Like it was just, uh, yeah, just like incessant cacophony is what it felt like. And trying to always uh, move with some 
thick, thick sense of boundary, you know, mm-hmm. always being curious as to what is, who's this guy coming over here? Who's this lady? What do they want from me? Do they even want anything? You mm-hmm. always clean out these scenarios. There's always this like mapping of reality. Hun- like if you can imagine like a hundred frames just blowing up in a second, something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like, well, first of all, man, your heart goes out to any kid who grows up in an environment like that because you're learning, uh, you're learning like self-defense on a continuous constant basis in, in a very unpredictable environment, you know, and a very unsafe environment. A lot of the time, I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, and the way you describe it, man, is so visceral. Uh, um, and I can imagine like you learn, <laughs> you're just learning anything you can to keep yourself as safe as possible. Uh, and as vigilant as possible, right? I and mean, the vigilance is palpable when I hear this story. Um, did you grow? Did you like kind of form a group of friends who had similar ways of coping as you did? That is like your your sort of tribe that keeps you safe and that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was the kids that no one essentially wanted to mess with. You know, mm-hmm. it was uh, we we would bond in Saturday detentions, in school suspensions, skipping school. Um, that was, that was just every day for us. Um, wow. And I think we all had some kind of fundamental sense of just how fucked up the whole thing felt, um, sure. to a degree. And I feel like that's where we really found each other. I love those guys to this day. Um, but that's really where we found each other was in that space. And, you know, from the outside looking in, we were a bunch of knuckleheads, you know, we were getting arrested left and right. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's funny to look back on it now because it feels like a story. But those times were really filled with a lot of paranoia, a lot of um, self doubt, a lot of fear. Mm. Um, even though on the outside it was like I was curating this kind of, you know, tough guy persona. I guess I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a but in that survival mode. <clears throat> um, it's it's not just an implicit teaching uh, that you pick up, I'm sure, but it's very explicit that yeah. you, you being emotional is weak, feeling is weak. It's not about that. It's about survival. It's about persona, and it's about projecting something that just says, "Don't do not mess with me at all." You know, I'm not some guy you want to mess with. And when you build that persona, it requires constant effort. It requires vigilance, but it also re- sort of requires you to separate from a part of yourself. I'm sure. You, you have unraveled that, you know, later on, um, but oh, yeah. I can't even imagine how that went. We'll, we'll talk about it. I'm sure. Um, yeah. So let us know, like fast forward, like what, how did that play out for you? Where, how did you sort of find yourself coming into young adulthood and what, yeah. how did that look for you? So at the, at the end of high school, uh, I had no ambitions of going to school or um, doing anything with like some long-term plan or goal. It was more just how can I make some quick money, enjoy the weekend, go out during the weeknights and try and figure it out. I'd skip out of my parents' crib like two weeks at a time sometimes and just sleep over friends' houses and whatever, skip school completely, uh, getting getting drunk, making money uh, together. Um, and I, I just remember having uh, this this kind of constant experience where it was like okay like it's tuesday night we just made pretty good amount of cash call the girls over get whatever we want over have a good time and 
even at the age of 16, it was starting, something was starting to accrue like a kind of cavity inside, uh, like this aching cavity. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, and it just felt like I was in this like uh, intoxicating evil circus. I don't know how else, or carnival. I don't know how else to explain it. Wow. Like everybody's smiling. Everybody, the music's loud. The lights are blaring. You know, sex, sex you know, what I, what I thought I wanted. Sex clothes, money, whatever I wanted at that time was available to me and I could get it. And it Probably felt a like a heck of a lot of validation and respect oh, yeah. as well in that, in that world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that, and of course, like it, it was funny because in thinking about myself in mirroring some sort of inner self, you know, those compliments, that validation felt like gold. But when it would actually happen in real time, it was the most flimsy, hollow, nothing, you know, just like any other of those experiences that I was just chasing head on, you know, like losing my balance forward, like my head pulling me, you know. Uh, so, uh, and that, again, that kind of cavity feeling of essentially that like eating junk food all day that just kind of junk life that junk self um it just kept getting kind of more i couldn't ignore it as much as i could and over time it just kept it was like eviscerating everything around me mm -hmm. any ties i felt to my even my friends or myself or my family like everything was like coming undone in a very uh painful and again scary way and i kept feeling like i was tipping back into that space of that that just like really radical impermanence that impermanence that you can't conceptualize mm -hmm. like people think they're watching kind of uh a sunset right and there's something beautiful about that but what i tend to see most people experience is they're imagining really the sunset there's like these cues that they're starting to put together and it's lovely and it's romantic but really when it comes out from under you it comes out and there's no way to really uh and there's and i should also caveat sorry uh just that that sunset is more precious than the former sunset you know whatever that is that we were calling sunset before um but yeah, the initial kind of pulling and the grappling and trying to grapple with it is is so intense. I can't even explain. It. Um, wow, but, that's a that's I'm a sorry. that's a trip. No, I mean that's that's amazing. Like the the contrast. This is your life, right? So it may not stand out quite as much to you, but like the contrast between, like, in one sense, the gangster life, like the the, the yeah. just the flashy money, women like you know all of that and constant and the i'm sure the excess of it contrasted with this sense of like true impermanence um <clears throat> that you were clearly in touch with the whole time that's really fascinating you you know <clears throat> you think one of the reasons i love doing these interviews is because i what i say all the time anyone can wake up anyone can wake up you know and i've talked to people who 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 woke up in prison i talked to people who woke up after prison i've talked to people who've been in all kinds of lifestyles um, and it doesn't exclude anybody. You know, there are people out there in very intense lives right now and gang lives and crime lives and all that. They're waking up. I know it. I know they're there. They may not know what it is, but they 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 know it. Right. Um, 
it, it really, really fascinates me. And uh, it really heartens me, you know, that, that even, and, and it really sh- makes me feel like everyone's responsible for their actions in the relative sense. We have to be, ta- we have to be held accountable and all that at the same time, man, kids who grew up in environments like that, you're just learning to survive. You, you, oh, Absolutely. you can only do what you see. How, how can you, you can't see outside of that world, you know, and, and you become the world. And, um, you know, I just understand, I understand it. I really do. I get it. And, um, and of course, even in those, the most difficult environments, people have direct access to their true nature. Of course they do. That's the beauty of Absolutely. this. So don't want to, I didn't want to interrupt, but I just wanted to like highlight the, the power of what you just said, man. That's incredible. No, absolutely. Um, And I guess I should also provide the initial caveat too. I was not trying to awaken. There was no kind of sense that that was a possibility or anything. If if somebody would have tried to communicate that to me at that time, like there's a way of experiencing or something like that, that is free of everything that you know or whatever, or using words like bliss or whatever i just probably yoke them up and be like like what, what the fuck are you talking about like if like i'm gonna choke you and you tell me if you're free you know like i would put you to a physical test you know um so uh <laughs> i love it i love it but that's that's really the vibe i was on at the time and um so there was this was not like part of like an explicit trajectory right that's really what i'm trying to say um and I, I guess it kind of points to that this thing is so much bigger than whatever you can take this life yourself or the world to be. Uh, it mm-hmm. just moves in a way that you can't grab. Uh, and so uh, I should just fast forward a little bit. So I was about 18 at the time. And really, like every morning, uh, I didn't, wasn't working, wasn't going to school or anything, but I was making my money with my friends. And uh, every night was a party. Every night was a party. And it became more nightmarish, uh, even like direct experience of just moment to moment. It just felt like I was being dragged across concrete. Um, and I remember waking up every morning, seeing the sunlight come in through the window. And I was like, man, like this ain't about shit. Like none of this is about shit. Like what, like what the, what's going on? None of this is about nothing. Like I don't, it, it just, I don't know. It just felt, so, everything felt so hollow. Um, and I, I think I shared this story with you before. And I remember going to see my mother one time. Uh, I hadn't seen them in months. And and I grew up very close with my family. And I walk in through the door and she just looks at me. And she goes, uh, she's like, Johnny, I'm like, what? She's like, what's wrong? I didn't even know anything was up with me. I didn't feel anything i was so divorced from uh, that subterranean layer of self that i i I just didn't even know what happened it was as if she just like cracked open a valve and i just started crying sobbing sobbing like as if all the years that i had held it in just like it all was coming out and i was so embarrassed (laughs) that i just took off and i just left i didn't even see i didn't see them for another month like i was so embarrassed by i remember driving away and just looking at myself in the mirror like what's wrong with you what's what's going on this is like it just totally judging criticizing you know trying to you know build something back up again um and it, now it stands out to me and it's so hilarious and so precious that memory. But in that moment, like I was, I was scared shitless. I was like, 
what 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 was that mm. where did that come from i didn't even see it coming i didn't know anything was like simmering or whatever um and so anyways uh my par- my parents call me and they uh they tell me that my grandma bought me a ticket to go to albania with them uh, that's where my family's originally from they were albanian refugees uh they came and so i had never been outside of the east coast and detroit where my mom's family immigrated to so I was like, and mind you, it was that time where nothing was about shit. And I remember my mom calling me. I wasn't even excited to go to another country. I was just like, maybe it'll be something else. Hopefully it will be something, right? And uh, and we went there and the first week was the worst experience of my life. It was like being put in session and not knowing you were going into session. Uh, the My father's village was a two hours hike up a mountain and like sheer like mountains, like what you have in Colorado. And uh, the whole village was out there. And live, the smell of livestock, the smell of like my first, second, third cousins, this whole lineage of people there, like waiting to greet me, like tears in their eyes and the rot in their mouth and just the smelly mountain people body. And, you know, I'm, I'm greeting everybody and I'm like, and all of them are kissing me, pinching me, hugging me. And my initial thought is, you don't even know me. Like, why are you hugging me, pinching me? Like, you don't even know me. Like, it was like all that vitriol of this constructing of me was like being spewed, you know, like everywhere in all my interactions. And it's like this unconditional love that I was met with, this kind of like tribal love. It was just like I was just trying to like, like uh, melt it, just like pierce through it, like make it as flimsy as everything else. And again, that week was horrible. You know, there was no partying. There was no way to kind of even get lost in any sort of stimulus. You know, the flies are always on you. There's the smell of livestock. You're just like on the mountainside watching the clouds over the mountains. Um, And then there was just this complete and utter turning inside out or outside in. I don't know how to say it. And I don't even remember that the time... Like, I don't even know how long it was, but I just remember it was just like something had just kind of like, 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 like old skin, just like flaked off or something. I remember looking at my hand and just kind of putting it up and looking at everything else. And it was, there was no, like the tacit understanding or perception before of that, like every, there's a thingness to every single kind of object and there's something substantial there it completely turned into the tacit understanding that there's absolutely nothing there. There's absolutely nothing. Um, And there's nothing that makes like this different than like anything else in a sense. Um, And I couldn't say those words then, but it was just the feeling was like, and I, in, in equal measure, there was this kind of, and that's just a, a phrase that's not, it's not, I don't mean that literally, but there was this unconditional love that just like erupted from, it was just everything. It was literally everything was what it felt like. Mm. Uh, I remember even seeing my parents far off near my grandpa's brother's house, like a little bit higher in the mountain. And I loved them like a baby. I don't know how else to say it. And like everything that I felt like they did to me or like all the like fucked up shit that I felt like I had to go through with not only them, but, you know, 
people in my life that I even held vendettas against and I wanted to get revenge against when I got back home, it all just completely dropped. And it was like, of course, of course, of course you did that. You're trying your best in some sense. Like it's what you know, it's what was passed on to you. Like it's not your fault, essentially. It's not, it's not anyone's fault. Like this catastrophe that has been so uh, painful in so many ways it's not anyone's fault. And at the same time, there's something utterly, utterly beautiful, like wonderful about it. Um, and there was nowhere to put the blame anyways at that mm. point. It was just like sweeping everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I sense, I just want to point out something. What I sense um, that I really just want to highlight for anyone watching, for you, this is obvious and this rule, but the diff, if I would make a comparison, the difference between what you experience as a small child, that impermanence and the the sort of fear that came with it and the nothingness, the insubstantiality, um, the contrast of that and what you're talking about now to me is very obvious. And it, tell me if I'm wrong, the insubstantiality is there, but there's the other part of it is there now. The other part of it is the interconnectedness, we could say, or the, the I, I use the term intimacy because I just don't have a better term for it. But it's yeah, intimacy, yeah. it's undeniably intimate. It's undeniable that, yeah, there is no thing here, but because there's no thing, the the, the appearance of this is literally everythingness vibrating. It's it, it's as close as you could ever get. It's not even close. It's it's everything. It's, uh, you know, um, uh, Dogen would call it, you know, total exertion. It's the whole universe exerting itself as this sound, as this sensation. And when when you have when you have access in a sense to both sides, through ego attrition, through a shift in identity, it's exactly what you're talking about. And it's also just that it's, it's just, so it's not a, an experience. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. There's nowhere to um, like, even me kind of recalling the story. Like I know that that's not a place or a thing. It's nowhere to like land. And uh, you know, for anyone hearing this, that, is trying to imagine it. It's, it, it, that's not it. It's just not, um, it's not something that I'll ever, it, like whatever it is that I just recalled it as, that's not even what it was really. Um, I, I know this sounds crazy, but, but that's exactly it. Um, yeah. how, but, how would you, how would you guide somebody who is watching this and, and hears you say, whatever you're imagining, it's, it can't be that it's not that by definition which is absolutely true. And yet if, if they get a flavor of what you're talking about, what would you tell them? How would you tell them to maybe investigate that? I, I think I would orient them towards the flavor. Um, like, okay. Like, do you, I would probably say something like, like, do you, like, do you feel me? Do you like hear that there's like something here and it's not the image. It's not anything that you can start to envisage. It's not any machination of the mind but i would just call them a little closer like do you feel me right now do you do you hear me right now and not yes the answer is not yes the answer is not no do you hear me right now that's it it's beautiful perfect man tell me a little more about that trip yeah <laughs> so it's so funny is uh that trip was uh 
I, I loved the trip so much. I mean, it was so funny because it was in another sense, you know, I got to connect with this part of uh, my family's conditioning that didn't really fit New York City, but it fit those mountains, you know, uh, because in the city, again, you know, like we, everything was about boundaries and like testing people's boundaries and making sure yours are not tested. Whereas there, there was this kind of overflowing of bodily connection, which felt so right to me, even though I wouldn't have admit, admitted it during the first week. Like, for example, I grew up sleeping in the same bed with my grandparents and siblings and cousins. So like we were always like puppies on top of each other in a certain sense. But then you go outside and then it's like, OK, you know, put the armor on. Uh, but uh, over there, it was just like everywhere, like everyone's always talking to you, touching you. You know, it's like everything is like right here. But that was comfortable. It felt so comfortable. It felt so right. It felt so connected. And after that kind of like pivot, it's how I naturally wanted to express. And I wasn't second guessing anything I was doing, which was something I was doing all the time. And I didn't realize it. It's like always hesitating, always kind of trying to evaluate. And there was just this way of moving that was just utterly free, loving, it, it, loving not in any sort of directional sense it's just like loving um and it was so palpable and it felt so like ingrained in the kind of culture that was there like the the lifestyle that was there um which that sense of impermanence is harder to hide from over there uh, but uh but yeah that was that was mostly the rest of my trip was just hanging mm -hmm. out in the mountains and just being just endlessly just like the the vividness of each moment, the the lack of any sort of uh, hesitation about time or plans or any of that stuff. It, it was like an, I guess you could call it an actual vacation in a sense is what it felt like. Mm. Um, yeah, and then uh, first day we got up to the village, uh, this guy that was kind of cooperating with the communists at the time, like years ago when communism was still in place, He's kind of like the scapegoat of the village. And I remember I was saying hello to everyone and he was kind of far off in the uh, in the distance. And my dad kind of looks at me and I got to say something about my dad real quick. Very insightful person as well. Um, like him, him and I have grown so much together since that day. But anyways, um, he goes, you know, we have to say hello to him, which it would be more proper for us to ignore him because, you know, all the kind of, He's like stained essentially in a sense, right? And everybody else is, you know, upright and, you know, not cowards. But if anyone was in his position, they probably would have done the same. Uh, so we go over to him and he, see, he sees my father and he's like, this is your son. He's like, and, and they're speaking in Albanian, of course. He's like, yeah, this is my son. And he grabs me and he starts crying. And he says, uh, he says, uh, your blood has washed these mountains is what he says like all the wars that have been there and just the generations of kind of trauma on those mountains and defending those lands and all this stuff. He says that. And, but it wasn't like a tough guy thing. He was saying like, there was such a suppleness in his tears, in his eyes. He was, by the way, he was 94 years old working the fields. So let's just also put that in perspective. And, um, I just, I still remember it like, uh, that feeling of the way he looked at me was so uh 
so penetrating and just so like free of any kind of judgment or anything like that. I just remember how that like touched me in some way. And of course, like I felt myself just like I am now almost on the verge of tears. I felt myself even in that moment, like really about to start like opening up in that way. And I just had to turn, you know, I just like turned and kind of like navigated it in whatever. I don't even really remember how I did it, but I just remember like, like this like feeling of even inside of just like, I have to move. Like I have to get out of this somehow. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so that was the first day. And then the last day as we were leaving, my my grandpa's brother, he calls me as we're about to go over the precipice and back on the trail down the mountain. Goes, oh, John. And he just lets off two shotgun shots. Bang. Bang. And I was like, I'm home. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that was mostly the trip. There's not so much to talk about in terms of so details. It was really the same thing every day. Just like being mm -hmm. on this mountainside and um You said you said a hell of a lot, man. That was that was powerful, <laughs> powerful sharing. Again, like I always highlight this stuff for anyone watching, but the 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 beauty the beauty of awakening or this this call that we we make to to our true nature however we make it sometimes it's sort of involuntary other times it's voluntary but um the answer is is usually a disruption the, the answer that often leads to awakening or results in awakening or whatever is often a disruption it can happen in all kinds of ways i you know for me it was like a it was like a breakup it was like the one thing i thought i could make me happy in life was a romantic partner and i the breakup showed me that wasn't going to happen and that was, that was a massive disruption for me in that moment in my life. Um, for you, like the contrast, like life is ingenious. The contrast between the life you live, <laughs> we're living in New York, getting on a plane and just landing there, the contrast, you couldn't make up a better contrast of environment, <laughs> people, you know, hygiene, nature, your access to nature, constantly in contact with everyone all the time, the communication styles, like that's just a complete disruption in everything you know. And yet yeah, yeah. that's perfect. That's the perfect disruption. It won't feel good for the first week right and it'll oh, feel good no. at first it'll feel like this is everything you don't want and all of a sudden boom like it sneaks up on you and that's that's <laughs> how this works that's how you know so anyone's going through this stuff man you're going through disruption in your life um open to it man open let go you know it's here for you in a way you can't even imagine a hundred percent yeah wow Okay, so then you came back, man. You landed back in the in the world you were more familiar with, and how'd that go? So I guess in terms of just kind of the logistical stuff, I, everything that I was doing before, I just couldn't even muster the will to do it. Um, I just told my guys, told my friends, I was like, guys, listen, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. That's it. Um, and what's funny is some of them heard me. Like I remember seeing... And when I was expressing like why at the time, um, I remember like, I felt like some of them were hearing me from that space and others were repulsed from that space. Um, and it was very palpable because those that were kind of hearing me over within a year or so, they also stopped with those activities that we were taking part in before. Um, and they have, shifted over time as well um but then those that kind of were kind of repulsed by me even suggesting that i would be done or whatever that represented or whatever it looked like when i entered that room i don't know what that was um like it was just like all right like get the hell away then like it's over it's done 
Um, so in one way, I'm really grateful that it was clean in that sense. Um, and even people that I, like I said, that I wanted to get some revenge against, uh, I bumped into one of them on the street like a week after coming from Albania. I just remember the look of horror in their face. And I just kind of, I just went up to them. I was like, I love you. It's okay. Like, if you see me anywhere, you just know that it's okay. I'm not joking. Like, I gave them a hug. Their body was still kind of stiff and I felt their body start to soften in my body. And I could feel their heartbeat like on my chest. And I was just like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, it's okay. Like, you see me anywhere, it's love. Like, don't ever misconstrue that. And I just kind of like left it like that and just kept it moving. Um, that's that's and, so beautiful, man. I, I <laughs> The reason I laughed is I'm thinking of it from their perspective and they're going, it must have been going, oh my God, this is the worst way to for it to end. You know, right. this guy's telling me he loves me. Like, this is going to be really bad. <laughs> Right. <laughs> There's gonna be somebody from behind that grabs their shoulder, throws them in a car. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, that was that was that. That's um, awesome. And so and it was funny because I was I, I remember even kind of the receptivity from family members as well, particularly my father. Um he he was very religious. We grew up in like a very kind of old world kind of Catholic uh religious framework. Um, again, these are mountain people, you know, it's like their religion, the way that they speak, everything is infused with this kind of talk of God and swearing upon the mountains and the stones. And, you know, there's this kind of rich language and way of uh, speaking from that place of religiosity um, that people can construct. And I just remember talking with him about God because I had gotten really interested in like reading the Bible and other spiritual texts because something like made sense all of a sudden. I was like, well, what the, what was that that happened to me? Like, what was that thing? And so I was trying to get it right. Like I was, it was like a month or two later that like, it felt like, uh, just like a new thing was coming online. It was just wider. Like the sense of self was just like, now cellophaned on all of reality it's like oh it's all one or it's god or it's the universe or it's this just some sort of conclusion that uh, some ultimate conclusion that i can make right and so i was like trying to harness it because i could something felt like it was getting away and it was really just like this, those machinations coming back online um and so i was kind of scrambling looking through texts and it felt like i could understand it it's like oh it makes sense so i would talk with my father about it and just ask him like like, what is God? You know, like, what is God? Like, not the man with the beard. Like, what is God? And I remember, like, it was the only, it was the first, like, true moments that I felt like I really had with him, besides when I was really small, where he would look at me and just, like, I could feel something just, like, opening up. I don't know how else to say it, but he would just say, I don't know. And it was, like, that I don't know was the realest thing I ever heard someone say in my life, period. And how it was said it wasn't like you know like ah, i don't know it, it was like from his it was from his from his being or whatever like it was just so it just emanated so clearly from him in that moment um and so we would connect in that way um and from then on like he's been on his own little um trajectory very different from mine of course but beautiful as well um but you know, I, I should I should be utterly honest and like admit like within a few months, things like you have the phrase of the other shoe dropping. I can't tell you 
like it, it was as if I never even had that experience or like like there was nothing I could say or begin to orient it was as if like I was just getting dragged to the bottom of the ocean and there was nothing I could do just that like black sea of sorrow despair like I at the time I was saying it was like as if all my worst feelings were amplified how it appears to me now is just like there's nothing to cover them anymore or to interpret them or twist them or just like kind of let a crack open a little bit for a moment it was just the whole thing and that lasted for months it was terrifying it was horrible um and uh and that's what got me into zen practice um so i was like i was like trying because I, again i was like reading all these texts i was like okay like it's saying a lot but what, the, what do i do like every moment of my life it just feels like i'm being like literally like crucified or something like that like it's just like painful painful and there's no way to turn anymore there was no way to kind of pivot or or build any wall or there was nothing it's like it was everything just like in that moment there was that utter sense of maybe you could call it freedom or bliss or something like that it was as if the equal had just happened to me in the opposite end you know mm -hmm. utter terror i would wake up at night and it was like i would feel my body like vibrating and i could audibly hear like drums or something and to the point where I'm like looking outside, I'm like, is somebody playing drums? Like, what is this? Like, dum, 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 dum. And I'm like, what is this? And it would just, it would kind of go on its own eventually and then find me another night and it would kind of revisit. And so I was like, what, like, how do, what do I do? There was no, <laughs> there was no semblance of a map that I could even use. And I was looking for a map at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, that's how I came across Zen. I remember eventually somehow I like I read the Tao Te Ching and I was like, this is like the closest thing that I feel like is saying it with like even, you know, the opening line is like you can the the Tao you can say is not the Tao. And it's like I'm like, he's on the money, but I'm not. So like, where how do I get back to that? You know, like I know this. I know this. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then eventually that led me to Zen and I, it was on the uh a Wikipedia page and it said it was a Bodhidharma's quote, a transmission beyond the scriptures. Mm. I was like, yes, okay. But what, so what, what do I do? Yeah, right. Um, exactly. What do I do now? If the, speaking of Bodhidharma, <clears throat> when you mentioned the conversation with your father and his answer was when you said, what is God? You said, I don't know. That's right. a different kind of, I don't know. That's the, I don't know. That's the Bodhidharma. I don't know. Right. Absolutely. The emperor said, Who, who's standing before me? And he just said, I don't know. Right. <laughs> Are you a prince? <laughs> Are you a Buddha? Are you a, no, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So did you go find a, a center, Zen center, or how, how did you, how did you uh, sort of approach Zen? So I, uh, so the, with, uh, so off the page, I read that there's Zen masters. So there's somebody who's got it, right? Like somebody who stabilized it or something like that. And I was like, okay, like there's somebody I can like grab them and be like, like what happened to me? Like, what is this? Like, what what are we talking about? Like, how do I do this thing? Because it feels like, like, I just want to die. I don't want to die, but I want to die, you know? Like, I just want to like something disappear somehow. And um, 
And so I just typed in Zen master into the Google search bar and this place in upstate New York, Zen Mountain Monastery popped up. And something about the image, uh, I remember going on the home website, the screen, and something about the image of just seeing a line of people sitting Zazen, it was, it was so like riveting and attractive. Um, I've never done something like that before, like meditation, seated meditation. There was something about that image that was like, it was like, I remember when I first saw like skateboarding, for example, I was like, I have to do that. Or like boxing, like I have to, like, it was like this physical draw. Um, and I didn't really look at anything else. Like I looked at the teachers. I was like, oh, I was like, okay, there's teachers or whatever, but like, that's something like, I don't know what that is, but that's something. Um, and so I go there like on a random Sunday and, um, and like, I, I remember the first time I sat, it was just like everything kind of, it was like when that, uh, I don't know, like just the, like that intense fear that would visit me at night, it immediately just like came on right when I sat and I was like, I got to get up. I got to get out of here. I got to get out. And I just remember thinking like literally just that little uh, like a former Jijam came up. It's like, you're going to look like a bitch. Like, don't run. You're going to look like a bitch. <laughs> like, that was the only thing that kept me sitting there was that little voice of like, dude, you're going to look like so pathetic, so flimsy, so whatever. And I sat through it and it was torture. And I remember going down to the, what they call the dining room. I remember looking at everyone smiling. I'm like, how are they smiling? Like, how, what are they smiling about? I couldn't even begin to fathom what it was that they were smiling about. Like, I was like, I just got out of like a torture chamber up there. Like, what, what was that? You know, like, and everybody's like laughing. I couldn't even, um, I couldn't even like br bring myself to have a conversation with anyone. And thankfully everyone there is just so lovely and like socially accommodating that someone eventually talked to me. But what was so funny is like lifelong patterns of like, uh, uh, like when discomfort would arise and I try and avoid it just like in the most minuscule ways. Like I'd go to, I would go to the bathroom. Like I came downstairs, I was looking at everyone. I'm like, how are they smiling? I'd go to the bathroom, even though I didn't have to go, go in the stall, walk out, get a cup of water, even though I wasn't thirsty, like just something to like try and orient or get away from that space. And it was like, it was so obvious in that space. Um, but at the same time, there was also this kind of like dual recognition of like, for some reason, this feels like the most important thing I've ever learned was to kind of sit um and yeah and from there like i uh, ended up living there for two years and then uh going to japan for about a year and a half um living in a zen monastery and becoming a monk as well mm. at some point um do you remember the, a shift in in your experience of zazen of the of the pain itself or the discomfort or the emotional discomfort Absolutely. Uh, two really stand out to me. Uh, I remember when when it felt like Zazen finally kind of revealed itself in a sense. It was, there was the constant, it was during session actually. And I, I, I literally imagined like having a scythe in my hand and every thought, every emotion, anything that it could start, that would start to manifest, it was like the scythe was just cutting through it. And it was exhausting. After just 30 minutes of doing that, like I was toast. And I was so just down on myself. I'm like, I can't do this. Like I thought I was going to meditate here for a month and I was going to be the Buddha himself. Like what the hell, you know, like 
There's, this is not going anywhere at all. And then it was something, I don't know how, I remember it with a thought at first, like just feeling like a thought being born in a sense, like how nebulous it is and how in the way I was experiencing it then, it was like almost like aromatic in the body, some sense like that. I don't know how to explain it. Like it wasn't solidified and it wasn't really detailed or uh, it was very low resolution in a sense. And I was like, oh, like this is literally as phenomenal. It was like as if any realization since the initial one has just been like a reiteration of the first one in, in some sense. I don't know how else to explain it, but it was like this thought this emotion however it's kind of moving through the body is equally as phenomenal and uh insubstantial as like the star in the sky this is not like something to fear and it wasn't like i was exactly saying that it was just this feeling it was this like intuition of just staying there and just allowing it to kind of steep like sitting was allowing all of this to just steep and settle and just blend in a way that was very clear. Um, and from that point on, but again, like from that experience later, when I would not be having that experience, I would try and reorient to that experience again. Um, and I think, yeah. So in a lot of ways, I felt like the way practice was being taught, was actually putting a lot of uh, hurdles in a sense, like in front of what I was doing, but it was really in Zazen where I found kind of where things were allowed to steep, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's <clears throat> as I'm listening to this, um, reflecting back on the incredible expansiveness and intimacy of the, of the awakening in Albania. And you, characterize it so well that the stark contrast to the crash into the shadow material where yeah. you said as, mu as much as that felt awake and enlightened this felt quite the opposite it was so solid <laughs> but also your your just your your caricature of it like not being able to turn away from anything anymore whereas before before awakening you you can kind of turn away from everything because we disassociate we we develop personas you know we're always you know that's one thing that the mind identified person can do is is endlessly distract themselves and that's what it feels like with, especially with a big shift is there's no distraction anymore. Like if there's, if there's emotion, you have to feel it, you have to feel it. Um, yeah. uh, and, and then you, you know, and so that can be very distressing to people, especially after awakening, because the contrast is so stark. Uh, but I just want to point out that this does mature, especially if you, you're, you're vulnerable, you're, you're humble, you seek guidance from someone who's actually walked this path before you, you did all the right things actually. And then it, they, they come together and they come together in the way you just described at some point, you know, in Zazen for you, and it can happen in different ways. You actually find that the, the infinite expansive nature and the, the, what we would call contracted when we're resisting it, but when there's not resistance between those two, they're actually not in, so they're not in contrast at all that the intimacy and the expansiveness and the visceralness and the infinity, they're all really intertwined. And that's the, that's that sort of interpenetration you could call it like Tozan would maybe call it the the sort of um, absolute within the relative. You know, it comes yeah. full circle, and all of a sudden, you, you you it's like another level of maturity and spiritual practice. Not that you have a badge of honor, but it's it the the the, the maturity is feels like trust. It feels like trust in in life and in practice itself and in the process itself. Yeah, right. 
so much so that the word practice is, it falls away. It's yes. like, it's like, what, what was I even saying before? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One time I was talking to a Zen teacher, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, and she was talking about practice and practice and practice. And I said, I said, but is there a practice, you know? And she kind of just <laughs> laughed. And I said, cause if there's a practice, what's not practice. Right. right. Like, right. how do you divide reality into practice and not practice? How do you divide reality into spiritual and not spiritual or, you know, divine and mundane, or it's, you can't anymore at some point. And the realization shows you that through the, in, you could call it the interface between the relative and absolute between the, the seeming physical body with emotional experiences and thought experiences and consciousness. And that, which is realized that is just really none of that and shows that that ever never existed, you know, but those are not two. And, and now you're in, now you're in that place where it's, it's okay, both the relative and absolute. It's okay to express in any way that needs to be expressed. And it's also very spontaneous, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Angela, I, I got to give you like, I don't know how much time we have left, but I, I got to just give some love like your way, because um, what led me out of living in Zen, in a Zen monastic setting was the words I had for it at the time was like, I felt like there was like this kind of emotional dodging coupled with like group think that would happen. So uh, when my friends kind of put me on to you, they're like, yo, check this guy out and tell me, tell us what you think. I remember I was like oh, another YouTube guy talking about awakening or whatever, but I watched the video and I was like, oh, there's something here. And you like put, you really um, elucidate the shadow as a part of the path, which was never really explicitly uh, pointed to in, in a sense, in those moments where I felt like I swung back into the shadow, um, it was, it was as if I felt like I was doing something wrong or I, I or I didn't get something or it was like, it, I, I just remember having that like visceral, like initial reaction of like, oh, I'm not doing the practice, right? Like I have to practice harder. I got to do something else better. Or like I'm um, giving into this or that. And that's not what it was about at all, like mm -hmm. at all. So your videos on the shadow for me, it was like, it was like the last like little bit of just like where, where, um, uh, where it felt, where it felt like, not only encouraged, but it was obvious to me that that be, being utterly open to that was the way. And it was like, it was like I was dipping my toe and doing it all, all along the way. But it was like, just that last little thing is like, yeah, dude, like you're okay. Yeah, the waters are dark and they're not dark at all. Like you, in, in a sense, it's like, it, it's exactly the thing that really uh, informs the absolute, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of, our capacity for understanding in relative terms, the suffering of others. It's like, yeah, of course, mm -hmm. this is an insane thing that we're going through. Like, yeah. This is, yeah, like, yeah. That's one way of speaking about it. Um, you know, like, like bringing it back into like concrete terms. It's like, yeah, like you don't know. And that's, that's a big, that's the biggest, scariest thing. Worse mm -hmm. than any boogeyman you can imagine. Right. Yeah. But in an absolute sense, it is like the thing. It's it's the like when when I saw your videos about the shadows, like these things that I felt like were wounds or like things to try and sew up and close, like those were the gateways actually. Um, and I, I can't thank you enough for that. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. Boy, you, you just reflecting on this, your your whole life in a sense is an exploration of shadow. I mean, in a lot of ways, all of our lives are, but in a very gross way, in a very like 
outward way in a very uh, literal way in the shadow of the street, you know, like that's where you started. That's the st- shadow you started to explore. And you realize very quickly that's, that's not, you know, it was survival and that's what you needed to do at the time. And it's like, but you knew it was hollow, you know, and then, then it's like the shadow of that was when you went back and saw a whole different side of reality and your family and your lineage and, and humanity, you know, and dropped into a whole different reality and then came back and explored the deep emotion shadow. And, you know, even the shadow that that can hide in, in monastic spaces, all, all of it, like, that's what I feel from you. And what I want to say is like, I I've met you in person for anyone watching. I I've spent a week with you and I've met you in person and, and the, the best way I can really get a gauge of somebody, not that I actually try to do this or judge people because I don't, <laughs> but, but I, but I notice it for sure. I definitely notice is being around somebody. It's the way they move, the way they interact with others, the way they are when they're not on camera, like all of that tells me so much. And the, the, the thing that strikes me about your life now that I've heard it all in, laid out this way, and also just knowing you and how you express right in this moment, um, what it reminds me of is what Adyashanti calls redemptive love. That's how it mm-hmm. feels to me because you move with a t- tremendous softness. Um, but coming from somebody who who literally came from, in a sense, the street and have had and still does have tremendous street smarts and all of it, you know, and you probably have extremely good judgment and you have very good situational awareness at all times because you had to learn it and you don't unlearn that. At the same time, you walk with true compassion, true love, softness, vulnerability, very obviously. To be able to merge those, <clears throat> to be able to wake up to to the, where those aren't too in this lifetime is amazing to me. And it's, it's a, it's an example to anyone who lived a life like you did. It's like, Hey, if you, if you feel what we're talking about, man, this is accessible to you, no matter how hardened you've become, no matter how distanced from your emotions you become, it doesn't matter. Like you have access to this and you just really have to open to it and let life show you what it can show you because it can show you some pretty, pretty astounding realities, you know? Um, so I just want to hand it to you for you've done the work all along. Every every breadcrumb you've picked up and followed, and I it can tell just by talking to you. And I know I know what you've been through. I can I know what kind of shadow work you've been through. I know it. I can yeah. feel it. So thank you for you know orienting to this in the way you do because it's everything to you, and I can tell it's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You have anything you would say to somebody who could just happen to see this video sometime between now and a hundred years from now on YouTube, and they they grew up in an environment like you did, or just just they relate to that that sort of street smart dude um, or or woman uh, who who learned to build those those that persona and build those those defense coping mechanisms and lives that kind of lifestyle. What would you say if they if they resonate with this? Just say like maybe like. It's so familiar. Like the thing that you feel like you're protecting yourself from is exactly the thing that you have to expose yourself to. However that feels or manifests, it might be a person, it might be an apology, it might be however it is that the mind is kind of cueing you in this moment. And the love, the connection, the the most worthwhile thing is the most it's in in a funny sense it's the most familiar thing and it's available to you in this moment right now no matter what kind of mask is coming up no matter what kind of horror appears to be out there it's right here and it's the most familiar thing especially that love that you were pointing to just now angelo to me like that kind of 
it, it's like it was always there somehow. Uh, and I just don't know how I got so far away from it in a sense, you know, but that's what I would just say. Just like whatever feels like, like whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever is coming up, like that's exactly what needs to come up. And so what I mean by that is be open to that, however it comes. Express it however it wants to be expressed, maybe through words, maybe through frying your vocals with a yell, uh, perhaps rolling on the ground, tumbling a little bit, you know. Um, this it's, it's always so personal. I can't say what to do, but I just say, baby, it's all right. Like it's so familiar and it's right here. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. I just thought to add something that came from your story too, that is like, look for a disruption that might be knocking on your door. It, it could be anything. Yeah. It could be an opportunity. Someone's inviting you to go visit them somewhere in the world that you've never been to, or who knows <laughs> what it is, right? You don't know. Be like the last thing you want to do maybe, but shit, maybe you could take a week off. Maybe you could take a month off. Maybe you need that. You know, don't worry about disruptions. The disruptions can be your friend in the biggest way. You know, if you just open to the possibility of, of learning something that's, that's beyond what, you know, um, touching into something that's a deeper instinct than, than the usual day-to-day -day that life that you've just found yourself in actually, you know. Right. Yeah. And the last thing I'll, I'll say to it then is just even for the one that will never watch or see this video. Beautiful. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. People are going to get a, a ton out of this. I already know that. And yeah, just thanks a lot. Thanks for your honesty, your vulnerability and, and what a sharing such a great story. <laughs> Angela, you're the man. I love you, brother. Take care of yourself and uh, you too, I hope man. to see you sooner than later. I'm sure we will. All right.